everyone. Welcome to There's a System to This Madness podcast. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. Each week, I talk about the difficult situations we face by peeling back the layers of politics, education, and culture. Today is March 10th, 2021. Let's get to it. Jury selection for the George Floyd case is starting to take place. However, there have been some delays in regards to jury selection. And based on what I read, what my understanding is, I think it's sufficient. Because I think in a case like this, everything really needs to be lined up properly. One of the things that's causing the delay is Attorney General Keith Ellison wants to add third degree murder charges to the list of other charges just in case they cannot get the jury to go with second degree murder charges in this case which if they can't get the second degree murder charges without the third degree murder charges options, there's a possibility that the police officer in this case could be acquitted. If you remember originally, the state of Minnesota was actually trying to go for first degree murder charges. And of course, Everybody's like, yeah, you know, this this would be phenomenal. if We can convict this police officer of first degree murder. And some was even trying to say premeditated first degree murder, because that would probably automatically be like the death penalty, which in in my thinking, this was never going to happen. There was no way that they were going to convict a white police officer for killing a black man convict him and then execute him i don't think that's that's not going you you got a better chance of finding a mermaid at the bottom of the ocean than for something like this to happen however i think what attorney general ellison had done in regards to removing the first degree murder charges which of course A lot of individuals were upset, but of course, a lot of individuals simply do not understand how the law works. And he actually implemented at first, I think he implemented the third degree murder charges, which, of course, these charges, the degree of charges, you know, common sense, they lessen the sentence. So they somehow put in the second degree murder charges because after reviewing and looking at the case and the evidence, they truly believe that they can go for a second degree murder charge. However, at the last minute, Attorney General Ellison stated that we needed to hold up for a moment so that we can put in the third degree murder charges. So this is what they're doing. However, at the time of this recording, the voir dire 
or that's just a fancy word for the selection of the jury, is now taking place. In fact, to my understanding, what I um, heard this morning is that three jurors have already been selected. So pretty much that aspect of this case is moving forward. What I found interesting in regards to the jury pool, I've been on jury duty before, and same thing in Minnesota that they have in Atlanta, where they pretty much will send you questions that you have to answer in regards to, I guess, connected to the case. Well, in Atlanta, they give you this stuff once you are, you come to the courthouse and you go through your orientation. Whereas in Minnesota, the questions are mailed to you. And my understanding, the way the questions in Minnesota are formatted is more like it's 14 questions and each question have four answers. Pretty much, you know, you circle the one that is closest to your opinion. You know, you fully agree or you slightly agree, you partially agree or you totally disagree at all. So these, you know, just looking at some of the questions that some of the people receive, like I think one of them said discrimination is not as bad as the media makes it out to be. So, of course, you know, I think the questions is almost like the questions came from the Officer Shavin's team because it favors it's almost like they're trying to form a bias. You know, when you say stuff like discrimination is not as bad as the media makes it out to be. You're like, what, what? I don't I don't even get that discrimination. You don't have to have the media to give you an opinion of discrimination. If you over the age of 18, you have some idea, especially if you're a person of color, you have some idea of what discrimination is all about. The next question or one of the other questions was police in my community makes me feel safe. And see, when they ask you questions like this, it's supposed to get your opinion. However, if you were to say something like, no, hell no, they don't make me feel safe in my community. Or, you know, even going back to the first question, you know, discrimination is not as bad as the media make it to be. See, if you voice your absolute honest opinion in regards to these questions, this allows for the defense to use this to automatically disqualify you. You know, another question is, I don't trust the police. Again, these questions are set up to get a biased opinion, views on your behalf. And another question was, black and white people get the same treatment by the police in this country. You know, that's a bullshit question because the average black person is automatically going to say, you know, well, there, I'm sure there's not an option that says, fuck no. So they're just going to basically say, I totally disagree with this statement. But 
the attorneys, the representatives for the police officer, they're going to say, okay, this person is biased. So it's not about them actually getting your honest opinion. Because for me personally, I don't even understand how can they not find an individuals, you know, much less 12 individuals that do not know of this case. One of the things that, and I discussed this in a previous podcast, one of the things that is very detrimental to this case was that it happened, if I'm correct, it was last April or May when COVID was still just starting. So everybody was like hunkered down and watching TV. So of course, this was on the news and this was like, they just had it looping over and over and over again to the point where white people could not come up with any justified reason not to be upset at this situation. And see, that's a, that's a key element. Once you get white people to say, okay, I think that was excessive. He stood on that man's neck on camera and that man literally died right in front of our faces. And he was totally restrained by a total of four different police officers. And he literally died in front of us. See, when you got white people not being able to do that white thing that they do with all past situation, well, he did flinch or he did say something or he balled up his fist or, you know, some other bullshit that they come up with to justify the actions of the police. They didn't have this this time. So the attorneys for the police officer, they got to find individuals that they are going to approve because the way jury selection takes place my understanding is that a number of people are in the pool. The attorneys for each side can reject certain individuals. So everybody in this pool, information is going to be in the hands of the attorneys. So if let's say you're the attorney representing the police officer and you got a number of black people. So it's obvious that's their goal because the goal is, is obvious to win the case. So if you already know that black people are going to have somewhat of a bias in this case, it is befitting of you and your client to get rid of as many black people that you possibly can. Because in most situations, when these questions are presented to the jury pool, the average person is going to answer these questions honestly. Now, you know, I would say there's a tactic in how they should answer the questions so that they can survive and get on the jury pool. But when you say things like police in my community makes me feel safe and it says one of the um, choices is going to be, no, this is absolutely not true. Yeah, that's the that's the person that 
the defense for the police officer or the attorneys for the police officer, he's they're going to get rid of that person. And they have, I think, 15 most most situations, it's usually 15 individuals that they can disqualify for whatever reason. I think the only thing you you're not supposed to disqualify individuals based on their race or their uh, sexual orientation. So, you know, of course, you know, come on now, let's be real. But that's not supposed to come into play. It's supposed to be based on their views and their opinions. So, you know, I'm curious to see how this is going to play out because, you know, I don't know the makeup of black people in Minnesota. To my understanding, Minnesota is a very liberal state. Um, I'm not too sure about the city of Minneapolis, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this pans out. But I would say that one of the advantages for the attorneys trying to get justice for George Floyd is that black or white, this case was highly publicized. Before it took place, you know, of course, due to social media. Next is Senator Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin. Okay, since the last time I spoke, the Corona relief package was in play. In fact, I think uh, yesterday, I think everything has been finalized. It, um, It was approved to go forward in the Senate. Then the Senate tweaked it a little bit and then they voted on it. Well, of course, first it goes through the House. Then, you know, if I got to go do my schoolhouse rock background, it goes to the House. The House passes it and it goes to the Senate. The Senate tweaks it a little bit, twirl it around, and then it goes back to the House so they can tweak it a little bit. And then from there, it goes to the desk of the president. However, there were some things that, you know, some stupid shit that just took place during this whole process. One of the things was um, Senator Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, where he had a clerk to read the whole 628 page coronavirus relief bill. I guess the book or whatever, just to delay the voting procedures. Because, you know, when the smoke cleared, not one Republican in the House or the Senate voted for the um, bill. They knew they weren't going to support it. You had, you know, stupid ass Mitch McConnell. He made the comment that if people get fourteen hundred dollar checks, it was going to kill the incentives for them to return to work. And I'm thinking, what fucking planet does he live on? Or if they get unemployment extended to the end of summer, this is going to make people not want to go to work. A $1,400 check, $300 a week for unemployment, and this is going to sustain the majority of the Americans, based on what they were making before, 
But yet at the same time, Republicans like Mitch McConnell will say things like this, but they won't support an increase of the minimum wage to $15 an hour, which to my understanding, that was one of the things that did not get approved or it didn't make it into the bill. For some reason, I guess they feel that this would make Americans too wealthy, who would, you know, I guess would result into us having too many millionaires in this country. The thing is, Republicans from day one, their whole objectives have always been to utilize their power to kill small businesses and kill the everyday worker. You know, I mean, this is another prime example that if the American Democrat supporters don't take action to improve the strength of the Senate, it's totally your fault. Also remember, if you don't take action to improve a person's quality of life, they're going to abandon you. And I say that to the Republican supporters. When the smoke clears, surely you have to look at these Republican representatives and say to yourself, what have they done for you? I, I just do not understand how an individual that makes less than $250,000 support the Republican Party. I, I, it, it just, I mean, is racism that important to you that you will put a racist individual before the quality of the lives of your household, the lives of your children? I mean, I don't get it. I, it, it, I mean, I, that just it, it blows my mind. And, you know, when you look at everything that is put in this bill and not one single Republican supported it, like I said, in the House and the Senate. And of course, if you know, if you realize the Senate is a 50 50 split. The reason that the Democrats have the majority is because they have the White House. Vice President Harris, you know, she's the tiebreaker. So that gives them control of the Senate. Same thing with the um, House. I'm not sure exactly what the number is, but it's like I want to say it's like 213 to 220 or something. It's, I mean, these numbers are close. These are some close numbers. So, you know. When you say not one single Republican supported it. So every Republican actually believe that a $1,400 check is going to kill the incentive for people to return to work. You know, this this is some evil shit that these people really are thinking. I think another thing that was said that. The reason that they don't support the bill, and of course, they always have the same talking points. The reason that we didn't support this bill, because it does not focus enough on 
COVID-19 as a virus. When people fail to realize when COVID came out in basically in March of 2020, it was believed that it came out before then. But when, you know, when things were starting to shut down and things were starting to get crazy in the country. So we're going to go back to March, let's say February, February of 2020. During that time, the Republicans controlled the White House, the Congress and the Senate and nothing was done. They didn't do a goddamn thing to rectify this. At the very end, you know, you got the former guy, as Joe Biden liked to say, indicating that he's responsible for the vaccine that was coming out in December. But before that, it was a hoax. It was a liberal hoax. Even after they had some type of program where half the people there contracted the virus, including the former guy, his family, and his youngest son had to be hospitalized, they were still saying it was a hoax. I mean, this, this is another example of the Republican Party playing with the lives of people. Like I said, the most notable aspect of this bill is it did not get any Republican support. But one of the things I have to commend the Democrats and President Biden, they did not waste time to try to capitulate or waste time. I think it was stated that Joe Biden invited some Republicans to the White House to sit down and discuss what they could do to have, you know, I guess a, a bipartisan outlook. And it was, you know, it was stated that these motherfuckers were way, way off in regards to what they were proposing. Stuff that it just, it had no merits. In fact, let's talk about the COVID relief package. Like I said, this package was passed by the Senate with a 50 to 49 vote, which received no support from any Republicans. I forget the name of the um, one Republican senator. It was stated that he had a um, family emergency. So that's why you got the 50 49 vote, which, of course, he, you know, it just basically saved him from casting the vote, which Vice President Harris, she would have broke the tie. So it, it would have passed. But OK, first and foremost, it includes fourteen hundred dollar checks for middle and lower income Americans. This is this is needed, not only as individual household, this also helps individuals with small businesses to keep their business. Because the main thing, if you're a business owner, you know, it's one thing that you're trying to keep your business fully operational, but also you're trying to feed your family. You're trying to, you know, keep a roof over your head, pay your bills. So that check spreads out, you know, like, you know, when somebody said $1,400 check and I'm thinking, 
you know, $1,400, you know, in one swoop. Think about it. You're making $1,400 a month. Think about it. Or, you know, I can't even, I was going to say $700. You know, people that get SSI checks, I think the amount is $780. Let's say if you're an individual that's living off of that, that's two months. Not even really a full two months. That's two months. Now, of course, people that receive those SSI checks, you know, they still going to get their money. So it's not, you know, maybe that's a bad example. But let's say if you're an individual that make roughly, what is $10, $10 an hour at 40 hours a week. So you're making $10 an hour. I'm doing my math in my head real quick. That's about $400 a week times four on an average. So that's sixteen hundred dollars. That's not even a, that's not even the monthly amount. Well, minus, once you monitor the taxes and everything like that, you got you got one month of income. And of course, you know they got other packages that you know it puts furlough on rent and things of that nature. But you know when somebody says it's gonna discourage people to go to work you know or another thing that was you know part of the package you know it extends employment unemployment insurance through um september 6 so again you get a you get an upfront money of fourteen hundred dollars and you'll get three hundred dollars a week to september 6 that's you know of course that's 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 crucial the tax credit for children will go from $1,000 to $3,000 because people fail to understand without schools, uh, that is probably one of the major region resources that kids use to get nutrition. There are some kids breakfast and lunch at school is part of their meals. And see, I guess, you know, with some people, I guess this is hard to you know, imagine, but this is what goes on in this country. Another $350 billion for states and local governments to help reopen schools safely. You know, everybody wants the schools to be open, but nobody wants to allocate funding for this to happen. You know, one of the things is, you know, improve the ventilation system, inoculate teachers. I, it still blows my mind that only 28 states have teachers in the first wave of getting the coronavirus vaccination. That just that that trips me out. Another 50 billion in assistance for small businesses. Again, this is crucial because when you talk about businesses, more than likely, whether it's a business of one or what the definition of a small business is, I want to say I think the number is 50 or less. You know, this is crucial because this is employment for, you know, individuals. When somebody sit there and say it's going to discourage people from working. But at the same time, this same person is sitting there advocating for major corporations to destroy the small business. Twenty billion for funding for the vaccine distribution including $1 billion for the Center for Disease so that they can continue doing research 
and prevention and, you know, launch more vaccine awareness and engagement in their campaign. Another seven point five billion goes to the CDC to continue setting up vaccination sites across the country. Again, this is crucial until these people get vaccinated. We cannot move forward. And then there's another thing. They're going to extend the medical insurance that's being paid by people called COBRA when they're unemployed. At one point, it will pay only a certain percentage. It's going to pay 100% of the COBRA premiums for people that are unemployed. And um, I think another thing that I read that student loans, the furloughs, is going to be extended. Again, you know, this is costly. And of course, the grand total, plus, you know, I'm sure I missed a number of things because, of course, to Senator Johnson is 628 pages worth of stuff. So I'm sure I missed some stuff. But, you know, the total package is $1.9 trillion. But what's so amazing, what really was the shocker is the difference what the Republicans propose versus to what the actual stimulus package included. And let, let me say this, you know, just say the importance of voting. You know, I just I hate having to harp on this because I don't understand why people just don't get it. But if you really want to know the importance of Georgia sending two Democrats to the Senate and giving the Democrats the majority, I can give you 1.3 trillion reasons because that is the difference in the money that would have been allocated if the Republicans were controlling the Senate. Like I said, Joe Biden, he took the time to meet with the Republican senators to find out what they felt was a good relief package. These motherfuckers came up with a number of 600 billion. Think about it. All the stuff that the Democrats came up that's going to help get this country right side up. And this, when you look at the dollars amount, you, you're like, it sounds so incredibly large. I mean, it is an incredibly large number. But the thing is, when you look at the breakdown of that money, it makes sense. $1.9 trillion to get everything possibly and you, let's be real, people still going to fall by the wayside. It's still not going to be enough. There's still going to be people that will lose their homes. It's still going to be people that will not get vaccinated. There's still people will pass away from COVID. It's still going to be small businesses that will go belly up. But the attempt to do something from a monetary point of view is 
not being shortchanged by the Democrat Party. So when you hear the difference, $1.9 trillion versus $6 billion, and like I said, that's a $1.3 trillion difference that the Republican, I mean, like, when I said three fifty will go to state and local governments to help reopen the schools, and then another seven point five billion to the CDC, you know, because if you remember, the Republicans were satisfied with the six hundred. The reason that we getting a fourteen, I shouldn't say we, we ain't getting shit, but. The American people are getting the additional fourteen hundred because originally the Democrats wanted two thousand dollar checks. But because Republicans controlled the government, they had to settle to get something passed, which was six hundred dollars. So now the Democrats, once they got in charge, the first thing they said, we're going to give the American people the other fourteen hundred dollars. Because think about it, six hundred fourteen hundred dollars. Ain't shit. But now $600? That's like throwing a drowning man a brick. I mean, this is their way of saying we are doing something. But the thing is, when you talk about the $600 billion proposal that the Republicans would have put in place, it was believed that 500 billion of that was going to be towards businesses. I mean, corporations. And most of these businesses, it was to be used for legal prevention so that they would not be sued if people that they made come back to work and they got COVID and they, you know, they they would not be able to have any type of legal ramifications against their employers. I mean, this, this is what their focus was about. So when you think about how voting for two Democrat senators from the state of Georgia, how this has impact this country it's, it's an understatement. But what I have to continually reiterating is that it's a 50-50 split. Meaning that all it takes is one. All the Republicans got to do is get one or basically two. Excuse me. If I'm doing the math right, sometimes it's kind of blurry. But either way, it, it, it could easily be changed. The same thing with the House. They get easily, and you got to realize, really, one without the other, you really don't have shit. You really don't. Yeah, things might get done, but what'll happen is, then you have to capitulate and bargain with the other, with the other group. Because think about it, the Republicans, like I said, the Republicans, they did not, not a single Republican voted on this. They truly believe that their proposal of $600 billion in which they were going to give $500 billion to businesses, 
they really felt that was the right thing. So one, uh, excuse me, 100 billion was going to go towards what? Because it wasn't going to go to the people because they already they already felt that they gave the people their money when they gave those six hundred dollar checks back in, in December. They were done with that. So they were focusing solely on businesses. But you got to keep reiterating the people to get off your ass and go vote. I mean, I, 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 I just I, I just don't get it. I don't understand the logic behind that. And of course, just a side note, you know, I know like states like Arizona, states like Georgia, their local legislation, they're working like bees to change and strip voter rights from individuals already. You know, Arizona, I think they're and Georgia, they're putting in laws that would indicate that if you do absentee ballots, the shit got to be notarized by a public notary before it can be cast. In Georgia, Georgia is trying to strip away. If, they, if, if, if it has not been done, they're trying to strip away voting on Sundays. They're trying to strip away other restrictions. I think um, where you got to come to a polling station to put your ballot in a certain box, whereas, you know, these boxes are located throughout, you know, your your city and then restrict the number of areas where you can go vote. This is the bullshit that they're not to mention the gerrymandering. That's why the Democrats, while they have control, they need to put in laws a voter rights law that restricts states from doing these things. I don't know uh, to the life of me. I don't know why this has not happened. I do not know why this is not a top priority. I've always said, yeah, Democrats, Republicans, to a certain point, they are of the same caliber. They're cut from the same cloth. They just, one has different views. I think, like I said, Republicans focus on business. Democrats focus on people. However, there are some Republicans that focus on people on a small amount, and there are some Democrats that focus on business on a small amount. And let's be real, those businesses slip checks to both sides. But I cannot figure out why voting rights have not been resolved in the past, because this is not the first time where Democrats have controlled the White House, the House and the Senate at the same time. However, for some reason, it has not been a priority right now. If these Democrats want to stay in power, they need to get off their ass and do something about this Voting Rights Act, because these red states are putting in place things that are going to strip people of their voting 
rights. And it's these little things, no voting on Sunday. Because, you know, in Georgia, that was the whole concept of souls to the polls, where churches after service, they would take the congregation straight to a polling outlet. This, these things like this, they were very detrimental, not only just with Joe Biden, but also the two senators being elected from the Democrat Party. Even let's be real, when Stacey Abrams ran, this this was key. I mean, you had the then Secretary of State Brian Kemp running for governor and he suppressed individuals in the state from voting and the margin that he won over her was almost a reflection of the votes that he that he suppressed. I mean, you you cannot make this shit up. So it's like they lost, but they're not sitting on their hands. They automatically started focusing on that midterms. So while everybody is celebrating, still dancing in the street, you better pull your head out your ass and look at what these Republicans are doing because they are putting restrictions on new legislation bills to hinder voting for the next major elections. Last but not least, you know, I saw the um, Oprah Winfrey interview of Prince Harry and Princess Meghan. So I just pretty much wanted to just add my views to it. My thing is this, I'm not here to determine whether or not the allegations against the royal family are true or not. You know, I, I never really understood a monarchy slash democracy government. Yes, there are countries that have a monarchy. There are countries that have democracy. I never understood how they have both. Now, let's be real. There's some, some democracies that have presidents, as they say, presidents for life. But at least, even if it's a sham government, they put on the air that they are a democracy. But anyway, the thing that I took away from the interview, and I, you know, I've been reading the different response and comments that people have been making. You know, she's breaking up that household and he is disrespectful to the military. I mean, all types of bullshit that, you know, people are coming with. And these are Americans. So I can only imagine what they saying across the pond, as they like to say. Oh, my God. But, you know, what I took from it, I have to commend Prince Harry because he saw that his wife was not comfortable in that situation. And he took aggressive action as a husband by removing her from his family and from that environment. See, I'm a firm believer, and I'm, maybe I'm old fashioned, 
I believe that if your woman is not comfortable in a certain situation and she does not want to be in that environment, it is your responsibility as her man to change that environment for her. Even if it means somewhat of a discomfort for you. Because when you married her, see, you got to realize, and this, this is me talking. To me, the two things that you as a man are supposed to give a woman, that is security and protection. I don't care how much a woman makes. I don't care what a woman says that she can do certain things for herself. It's a difference when you provide security and protection for yourself or even pay for people to provide this for you versus somebody that loves you and will stand in front of you to provide you with security and protection. It's a big difference. And I, and I believe the allegations are true. You know, I said, you know, I'm like I said, I'm not going to get into whether or not it is or not. But I believe I believe that some of the stuff because she's new, she's different. You know, there were statements like, you know, concerns that the baby was going to be, you know, black or white. And I'm thinking, OK, Megan is damn near lighter than Harry. You know, Harry just that he's that redhead white, which is like. They have no pigmentation. But I mean, you know, to me, I, to my understanding, she's, well, I know she's biracial. So pretty much, I mean, if that baby would have came out dark black. Now, her mother is dark black, but I just I, I didn't see it. But, you know, now it makes me wonder because the baby she carrying. What if that baby come out like just blue black? Man, that oh, my God. And that child will be a princess, a black, a black, black. The baby boy is a black prince, but where it's like physically you can see it. Oh, my gosh, man, that'll be the most interesting thing. But anyway, we'll wait for that to happen. But when your woman is uncomfortable, it is your responsibility to change that environment, even if it is from your own family. And it don't matter the status of your family, whether you are the Clampets, the J.R. Ewings of Dallas or the royal family of Buckingham Palace. If she is not comfortable. You have to remove her. Because you got to realize when God blesses you with a great woman, your woman you have to remove her along with your children from any harm or danger. It's not even an option anymore. And this is what he did. Don't get me wrong. I ain't feeling sorry for Harry because I know Harry got some coins stacked somewhere. Don't get it twisted. People are like, oh, he he's cut off and all this. No, come on now. Y'all are y'all that fucking naive to believe Harry going to be on the side of a highway with a tin cup in his hand 
I mean, come on now, get real. And stuff like the opportunities that will present himself. Because let's 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 be real. Now this is just me talking. Harry really could not move up. His brother is going to be king. That's that's a done deal. He's going to be king. Harry could not move up. Megan, to my understanding, the only reason I know about her, because I used to watch a show. One of my favorite shows was called Suits. I never even heard of her until I started watching the show. I really, to be truthful, I read about her dating Harry. And then when I started watching the show, because I didn't watch the show until really season eight. And then, you know, I started binge watching it. I mean, I got hooked. But then I was like, oh, my God, that's the that's the that's Harry's girlfriend at the time. So I was like, "Okay, you know, she's on a popular show. But let's be real. She wasn't. She was a star, but she was not the star of the show. So, I mean, you know, when she left. I don't even know if people were like, you know, knocking down the door and saying, oh, we got a starring role for you in this. And, you know, we got a role for you in that. However, you know, I'm a firm believer. You make your opportunities. So I believe with this situation, she has made an opportunity. She will now have people knocking at her door. Harry's going to have people knocking at his door you know and I, I really don't know what harry i mean especially in the united states it's not like you know he can be an advisor to a king or queen i mean could he get a government job i mean i hey i don't know i mean i couldn't picture harry running for united states representative uh in california or something like that but i mean you know i'm sure some type of reality show could be in the works. That would be that would be interesting. But, you know, I'm not a big reality show person. But anyway, the thing is, I commend him for taking the responsibility and taking what action, whatever actions were necessary to take care of his wife. With that being said, be safe. Take care. God bless. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to There's a System to This Madness podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe. To continue the discussion that we had today, make sure to check out our Facebook page. See y'all next week.